he and I were having a discussion and usually it's very anarchic and it's really fun and it's free flowing but it was kind of a quiet day in the room that day we were just kind of sat around and it was like this sort of virtual rooftop and and I said hang on I haven't asked you like how the conflict is affecting you like are you nearby where a lot of the refugees are coming from Ukraine and he said it's so scary it's terrifying every night I like put on the headset and like come and meet you guys here and just like have some fun because I'm just I'm finding it really heavy Hello Fugitives and welcome. I hope you're all doing very well. My name is Jack and I'm really excited to have you here for this first episode of the podcast. In this podcast, we explore, learn and have our collective minds blown away by discussing the groundbreaking ideas, concepts, products and technologies of today that may shape the reality of our future. If you want to know a little bit more about how this podcast came about, then feel free to check out the prologue episode that I made. It's only five minutes long and it gives you a little bit more information about where the inspiration came from to start the Fugitives podcast. I really hope you enjoy this first episode. If you do, be sure to hit that like button, maybe give us a follow or leave a review wherever it is you listen to this podcast. And if you want to help build the foundations of our community, then be sure to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or even join our Telegram group, which is at Fugitives across the board. So with all the housekeeping out of the way, let us crack on with today's episode. This week for our maiden voyage, we're going to be taking a deep dive and exploring the metaverse. We'll be discussing what the metaverse actually means. Is this something we should be getting involved with now, or is it just a passing craze? Is this new technology a turn in the right direction for our humanity or the start of our downfall? To help explore these questions, I am joined by Tiffany Maddox. Tiff is a creative director, filmmaker, and co-host of the weekly podcast, Trend Lightly. Her work is inspired and centered around internet culture, online trends, and the intersection between technology and storytelling. Furthermore, Tiff is a self-confessed internet OG, having been on the vanguard of many online communities, including being one of the first UK YouTubers on the partnership program way back in the day before anyone had even heard of the term YouTuber. So she is no stranger to being two steps ahead of the mainstream when it comes to the next big online platform, which is why she is now getting fully immersed in the metaverse and schooling people like myself around the culture surrounding it. So she's here to help shed a light on this new digital frontier for us all. So without further ado, pull down your VR headset, zip up that haptic suit, and let's go for a stroll into the metaverse. Hi, Tiff. Welcome to the Future Tips podcast. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad that you could join us today. And, and weirdly enough, I couldn't have timed this better because, believe it or not, after I finished this recording, I got an invite earlier today. My friend Ollie asked if I wanted to join him in the metaverse in Decentraland for Fashion Week. It's Fashion Week, yeah. So I feel like I couldn't have, like, having this conversation now that I'm about to have with you couldn't prepare me more for what I'm about to do after this. So yeah, perfect timing. So I'm really excited to, to talk all things metaverse with you. What I want to start off with, Tiff, is the word metaverse, just generally speaking. I mean, it's being thrown around everywhere right now, it feels like. I mean, obviously, mm. Facebook is changing the name to Meta. I think that's like created essentially the hype train, brands and businesses are really jumping on it. So before we kind of get into like 
the, the nuts and bolts of it all. I guess my first question to you is, does the metaverse have a universal definition? And, and if not, how do you personally define what the metaverse is? It does have a, it does have a definition. And right. I think my definition is, is really, really close to its official definition. So the official definition of it is that it's a, a network of 3D virtual worlds that are uh, focused on social connection. And that feels like quite an amorphous term. But And I, I think you can start to lay stuff underneath that heading and for it to make sense. For me, I feel like the metaverse is the next evolution of the social web. Like our previous versions of the social web are... Um, as well the web point one was there are authors who create the experience for you and you are the consumer of that so like you go to a website and consume the content that's been authored for you then the next evolution of the web is the social web which is you are now capable of being an author of building that sort of next thing so like you know I can remember friends of mine you know pre myspace pre you know uh everything being a little goth from wales and wanting to connect with other little goths from around the world and needing that social connection and the way to do that was you'd like build a fan site for your favorite website and then you'd kind of share it on forums and then suddenly you have myspace and you don't need to know how to do code but you can build a you can start to co-author that that universe you can author it you can have your own story you can tell your own story and then i think the metaverse is its next evolution is not just telling the stories but it's also building it's becoming an architect beyond being an author being able to create the world around you right rather than just you know co-author content within the world it's almost like you can alter it rather than just be served it from essentially like a single company or someone's single version of of what they think this digital world should be. Is it fair to say that what we're seeing today, I mean, is it the fully formed version of the metaverse or is this very much like, you know, metaverse V.1? Yeah, I think we're very early stages of it. And I also think that we're, (laughs) at the moment, the metaverse is both a evolution and a revolution. Like everything we're seeing in terms of how people are using the tools feels like it's iterative of things that have gone before it. So like Second Life has been around for so long, you know? I remember playing Second Life. This must be like circa 2011. And I remember you'd fly around these magic kingdoms and like people selling clothes and like going into shop. I mean, it was like, so that's what I'm thinking. Like, what was that the metaverse or, or, or like, was it just so underground back then we didn't really even d- define it as the metaverse? Yeah, I think we didn't have a word for it. I think we didn't have a definition for it because like really, I mean, chat rooms as well, I would argue are social web, even though they're not like you, you are still authoring and storytelling. Whereas like, you know, I was talking to my husband yesterday about something like GTA 5 and like how that kind of revolutionized gaming in a sense of like people just having this sandbox to play in and yes there's a narrative there's a narrative that underpins gta 5 but the thing that catapulted that and still have people coming and playing it to this day is the fact that you can gather your communities in that space and build and interact with the world virtually one of the things that i think was pretty from from what i saw i was never a Fortnite player i was definitely always a PUBG girl but like I heard anecdotally from the children that were playing Fortnite and the parents of the children that were playing Fortnite is that, you know, the the gaming mechanism of Fortnite aside, which, you know, 
is not a new you know a battle royale thing is is not a new format the thing that made these kids so obsessed with Fortnite is that they'd come home from school and meet their friends in Fortnite and meet their friends as avatars in a virtual world that to me is like early metaverse behavior that's like early kind of social behavior and I think you're right I think we just didn't know how to label it but I think like this is the next evolution of it you know it's funny because so as I mentioned earlier I I, so I did dip my toe into uh, Decentraland it was so clunky tiff like so i was so i didn't have a vr headset i was on a web browser it still was really clunky i wasn't getting a very like kind of it wasn't really the postcard of the metaverse that i was kind of expecting when i kind of like dipped <laughs> yeah. my toe in um so yeah so i still you know for me it kind of like well is that it like is that what we're seeing or is there like much you know are there more user-friendly experiences happening right now in the metaverse that people can have yes totally i think for me the thing that made it click is when i got um an oculus quest 2 right and and i think the reason why i think a lot of people think of metaverse and vr is like intertwined i mean they're not necessarily i mean you can exist in 3d virtual worlds from your pc um but i think the reason why the vr thing is so appealing is because it's just so fully immersive and like it's the most easy way to get it to get like because if you're always going to be looking at your laptop screen or always going to you know whatever it is then it's going to feel like well, I'm sat in my living room exploring the metaverse but if you just take away all of that other kind of like sensory overload that's happening you can fully be present in it and something happens to your body when you're when you're shutting down that other kind of like peripheral stuff and you are able to just kind of like relax into it and I just have to say, like, the Quest is so incredibly powerful for the price point. And kind of circling back a little bit to our earlier conversation about sort of like having to build a having to build a fan site versus having a MySpace. I think that the most exciting thing for me that's happened with technology, and this pertains to a lot of the metaverse stuff, is like we're democratizing the tech very, very well. Yes, I feel like, of course. Tick, like TikTok for me is a is a huge revolution in storytelling and how we um, and how you can put the power of editing into the palm of a teenager's hand or teenager yes. or an elderly person or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like the simplification and the democratization of that tech means that like you don't have to prohibit certain people from telling story like yeah. now anyone can tell a story. And I love that. And I love that building worlds now in these virtual worlds is becoming easier and simpler and more accessible. Like that I could do it or you could do it with a couple of YouTube tutorials. Yeah, I guess that's the kind of, so it's almost like the perfect storm of of technology and hardware and societal sentiment and like kind of the zeitgeist all kind of converging at once because you mentioned Second Life earlier. So like I say, you know, what, you know, was that a a metaverse, um, you know, from 10 years ago or, or probably even longer, but it didn't have the headset that went with it. And so maybe now it's like putting that VR headset is going like, oh my God, this is like, a, this is hijacking a sensory element to to all of this um, technology that we, we've had before, but never quite in this form. What is the kind of the places where you're spending the most amount of time, Tiff, in, in sort of, what metaverse are you spending the most time in at the moment? Well, I think my... Um... I've managed to find a community and I think that's the thing that hooked me in. Like I managed to find a community of people that I enjoy spending time with virtually because my first forays were not that great. (laughs) When you say I found a community, 
talk me through that. What do you mean? Like, who are they? Like, how did you guys connect? Does the community have a sort of a label associated with it? Like uh, fans of, of jazz music or is it like, you know, Warhammer nerds? Like, what, talk me through it. So I have tried a bunch of the various kind of like social meetup apps within um within oculus so the things that are like default allowed so there's there's a few main ones the one that everybody knows is probably vr chat which is anarchic it's totally anarchic um that's like the kind of i don't know that's you know get an oculus day one like try vr chat for me i would go to vr chat and i found that the audience there was incredibly young and incredibly it it gave me like flashbacks to old internet where everybody's just kind of like like no one's really behaving themselves and everything's a bit sort of chaotic and it does it definitely feels like here's day one then I found there are two other apps there's one called alt space and there's one called um big screen are these Facebook owned and operated apps or these third party third party that you get on the oculus store I don't know about I don't think big screen is actually I think there's one called rec room which I think Facebook does own and they may have a hand in alt space but I doubt it but these are these are approved apps from the Oculus Store, but they're not Facebook owned. So these are the two that you kind of you, your go tos at the moment. Yes, yeah. So I really love Big Screen because Big Screen is basically a, a it's a it's a cinema app. It's a kind of viewing app. So you can go into Big Screen. When you get there, you've got your own living room. You can invite your friends to come and watch TV with you, basically. So you can all kind of sit around and watch it together. Or you can go into theatres that are kind of playing. So there are channels, like you'd go channel hopping. And when you hop across the channels, some of them are official, sort of like they're partners with the apps. And some of them are unofficial, kind of fan-made. So the official ones are things like um, the Horror Channel has a big screen-like app. So you can go into a theatre any time of day and there's a horror film playing and you just join it, whatever. Okay, hang on, time out. So so you are, (laughs) so you're, so, so let me just kind of like map this out. Because once... Like once again, I know the mechanics that are kind of are happening, but this is what I'm kind of really fascinated in terms of like how adults are using this technology. So you're putting on your headset at home, you're sitting on the sofa, you're going into big screen or alt, what was it called? Alt room? Yeah, alt space, but usually big screen is my one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so alt space, which is basically billed as a kind of a, a screening room. You're hopping in there, you're going into like the, the horror channel room, you're going in there and there's like a screen playing. And when you say a screen playing, like is it does it have the sort of the scale as a cinema screen or is it like mm-hmm. something more like la- Exactly the scale of the cinema screen. So you're basically sat in a theater and uh, like a cinema and uh, in front of you, there's a big screen <laughs> literally that's playing this and you can look to the left and to the right of you. And there are probably people sat around you. You can also get popcorn and you can throw it at the screen. You can um, interact and chat with people. Yeah. So it's, and that's like, that's really interesting. There's like a Bob Ross room. If you want to chill out, that's constantly playing Bob Ross, like on oh a, my God. you know, 24 seven. There's, um, and then there are fan-made rooms, which are the funnest ones, right? Because if you open a room, you get to choose what's on the screen. So if you're using a PC, you can stream directly from your desktop to the um, to the screen and people can get there. Wow, that's and amazing. And what's on it. So one of the things you can do is um, is watch the news. So when the conflict in Ukraine first started happening, the days before and the, and then the immediate days afterwards, a lot of the unofficial big screen rooms were, um, you know, Russia versus Ukraine. And they would literally stream CNN or they would stream news channels or they would stream the Russian news channels and they would flick back and forth. So we were watching the conflict happen in real time 
together. Oh my God. That's crazy. So gosh, I've got so many questions here, Tiff. So when you say that you're sitting next to people in the metaverse in these rooms, cinema rooms, Mm -hmm. and you're looking left and right, is there any sort of verbal um, technology whereby you can talk and you're heard? Or is it very much like chapter type? No, no, you're just, um, depends on the app, but I think big screen as a default is like push to talk. So basically like, so you're not always getting background noise, but you basically just like hold down your thumb and then just go, hey, that's kind of messed up or, you know, Oh, did you see this one yet? And then someone's going to talk right back at you. Yeah, and someone talks right back at you. So, so what's to stop someone like just kind of coming up to you in that room and just like haranguing you and being like, what the hell are you they doing? They totally here? do. They totally do. Um, if you own the room, you can like moderate and and do that. Or, But the one thing I do love about big screen is, especially if you're in a room with a lot of people, it can become incredibly overwhelming because you're hearing, even though there is that kind of, um, I think, always forget the name of it, but it's that sound, you know, where you, as you get closer, it gets louder as you move so far apart whatever um but what you can do if there are particularly loud people in a room is you literally just bring up your controls and you can just like slide it down their volume so that you can just make it that's or amazing you just mute people so like if some so people when people have been unkind i think you know being a woman in the metaverse i would have a different experience to you let's say mm. um if but, i was but, getting sorry but how, but how but when you say a woman in the metaverse though like is your avatar female? Is it male? Is it just something like a giant, like in VR chat, giant banana I've seen? Like, is that kind of like, <laughs> why are you getting harassed because you're a woman? If that's, are you, is there any signals that say that? As soon as I open my mouth and you hear me of speak. Course, of course. Yeah. Did I read as well that Facebook have had some early red flags being kind of pulled up on the fact that people are getting too close to one another or there's some, something about the interaction and they're limiting mm-hmm. avatars getting close enough to each other. Is that right? Yeah, you can create per- your own personal space for many of the apps. Like you can kind of set like a little bit of a boundary around you because otherwise people can literally get into, like it feels overwhelming. People can get incredibly close to you mm. and 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 you just feel like you're being suffocated with like avatars or you can create wow. a sort of like a bit of a boundary space around you or you can just move around. But, you know, some people will troll and harass. But I mean... I think I kind of hopped around big screen because I thought, well, when I'd been into VR chat or whatever, it was like, it was, it was very like idle hands because I felt like, because it was such an open, an open thing that there was really no structure and it was so chaotic and it's really hard to have a meaningful or interesting conversation with someone. Whereas like with big screen, I felt it's very interest based. So if I'm in a room that's streaming the news as we're watching kind of the conflict unfold i know that to some extent a lot of the people who are going to be drawn to that room are going to be people who want to discuss news Mm. and politics and who might be slightly more mature i think that's what kind of opens up that discord of a very healthy environment in which people can kind of interact with not only content but obviously the metaverse at large you know all this stuff about people hooking up their own streams inside the metaverse so you go into these cinemas and watch this content are content owners and rights holders catching up to the fact that people might be let's say screening films inside i mean is it all licensed or is it all just a free for all at the minute there are like official licensed streams and also there is um, a mechanism within big stream for you to rent content and watch it with friends but it's it's really clunky because basically if i wanted to watch a movie with you jack that had just come out and i wanted to rent it we'd both have to rent the movie because technically by me streaming it to you it i'm like i'm pirating it so if you have if you set up a room your maximum room 
capacity is 15 people. Um, but what I've noticed is that the thing I've seen really take off on big screen, and I think is probably the most common use case for it, is sporting events because that is the most communal watching thing that we have right so it's huge for football absolutely massive for football when there's a match on that's what the majority of the um the rooms are huge for boxing as well like i i i nipped in and watched the deji like the last 10 minutes of like deji doing a fight with um your ksi's brother um, oh yeah 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 I forget who he was fighting. It was not particularly interesting, but it was somebody was literally had rented it from their desktop and was just streaming their desktop. Oh my God. This is, this is unbelievable. For me, a lot of this kind of stuff, it relates to early days YouTube. People can upload whatever they like to YouTube, including films. It wasn't until Content ID came along. And I think a lot of these new platforms and technology, including the metaverse, is going to have to go through the same iterations of what every platform has to go through in order to provide a valuable content, but B, make sure that every rights holder is is sort of like getting their slice of the pie. Um, I, I want to move on slightly, Tiff, because I think the this is like I had no idea this was happening in terms of these experiences, and you've kind of tapped into it a little bit. So I want to ask you, like, what is the thing which draws you personally to go in to the metaverse? So what draws me, honestly, it is the social element because I had the same, I had the same cynicism. I had the same thought of you because there is a, you know, there's a Netflix Oculus app. And I was like, why would anybody stick on a headset, an uncomfortable, hot headset? I mean, it's, you know, it feels incredibly light, the Oculus headset um, in relation to what it does. But after a couple of hours, you do get eye strain. You do kind of the one thing that I'm concerned about as someone who's like terrified of aging is that like pressing a computer into my face for several hours a day is, is going to give me wrinkles. You know, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably going to be Oculus acne in the future from just this kind of like thing pressing gates. So I've got these like, you know, mask things that go underneath, but I was like, why would you watch a movie on Netflix through that? If you could just watch it on your TV, but it's the social element. It's interacting. It's like laughing together, communing together. You know, karaoke is hilarious on the Oculus because you can go to a drive-in karaoke. Everybody's internet speeds are slightly different. You're watching the words on the screen, the music is playing and everyone's singing it at like sort of 0.5 second intervals of each other. So you just have people uninhibitedly belting out 80s power ballads you know 15 people around you and it's hilarious it's just it's so it's so funny so for you it's the social element which brings you the most joy from from this platform and yes. i guess you know what down the line or or on on that kind of positive note what do you think are going to be the positives that we're going to see come from the metaverse and people's interaction with it on a sort of like macro scale mm. I think the greatest thing that will come out of this will be an evolution of storytelling. I'm obsessed with storytelling, fascinated. Like primarily up until this point in my life, in my career, in my hobbies, I've used film to tell story. I also write, but like film is the thing for me that I was like, okay, this feels right. Like I can tell a story. And I think I became a little bit disillusioned with it after, you know, working and making branded content for so long. Like mm -hmm. it does kind of erode the soul of, of what I used to get from it. Sure. And this has reignited my desire to tell a story. And I think you can quite literally gather people around a campfire and tell them a story and you can tell them an immersive story. You can build a world which tells a story. You can like, 
you can do it in a way that's so much more tangible and so much richer. And I think had you told me like, you know, when I first, I made a film in VR uh, five years ago and it felt so revolutionary at the time. And now I look back at it and go, oh my God, like that, this is just, I, f- I feel like I'm using, you know, flint and a pointy stick compared to using, you know, an iPhone. Like the wow. technology has moved so quickly yeah. from just that, like, you know, people think that storytelling in VR, and I think a lot of people think this still, is like you put a 360 camera down and then you tell a kind of like, you know, you tell a story in 360 and you just hit record. It just mm. isn't that. It's interactivity. It's like interactive storytelling is the most positive thing and feeling a sense of community. I think there are people that I've spoken to in the metaverse who have, for whatever reason, been unable to interact with people in their real life. There was someone who was in a catastrophic accident, who was in recovery, who got a VR headset to kind of stay connected to the world, who would have been otherwise bed bound and, and not really talking to anyone, was able to get up and walk around when they were confined to their bed and i guess it's that iteration of of going from chat rooms like an msn messenger back in the day like 20 years ago like okay i'm interacting with them to actually now it's going okay i'm still wearing a small tv on the end of my nose but actually (laughs) right when i look left and look right i'm seeing other people there's a sort of an evolutionary step into the interacting with other humans in a little bit more of a you know the next the next step up to that so i think that's really interesting and and on that thing about storytelling and like world building i heard this i read in wired magazine this month there was um a digital artist um and a massive proponent for sort of vr headsets and, and the metaverse was saying what people right now are probably thinking about the metaverse is the very like kind of version one of like okay going into a digital space and like messing like avatars messing around but they're saying imagine a time when for example you go to your kids primary school and they don't have a huge budget to put on let's say a play on the stage but actually everyone in the audience comes with their own vr headset and you're teleported into a digital world you're looking at the stage you're sitting there but the stage is like you know hogwarts and there's like a dragon flying overhead or whatever and these kids are there and you're looking at your kid and they're wearing those amazing costumes and stuff like that and like say that that was when i was like oh my god actually there is going to be so much more the metaverse is going to give from a sort of a visual storytelling point of view um mm-hmm. in that sense rather than just being sort of rever- uh, reserved for for people interacting in like kind of weird like shadowy chat rooms or whatever um because that was definitely my interpretation of it i guess like all great technologies tiff like the metaverse is you know it can be used for good and it can be used for bad you've touched on a few points about what uh, some of the interactions you've had in, you know, up until now, which has been a little bit um, untoward. What would you say then, sort of flipping the question a little bit then, is like, as the metaverse becomes more predominant in our lives, what do you think are going to be like the cultural negatives and just the general negative effects that are going to come out of it? Is this, is this the end of humanity, Tiff, as we know it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I feel incredibly blessed and I think probably as we're of a similar age and a similar mindset, Jack, that like we remember what life was like pre-social web, but Mm -hmm. we're also incredibly passionate about it still. And I feel the same way about about something like the metaverse and VR, which is like, I know what it was like to not have it and I know how exciting it can be to have it. And so I feel like 
I, I'm in this privileged position of being able to have total balance. You know, yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a teenager who grows up having only ever known Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and how that must and how that must affect how you interact and how you socialize and how you see yourself. Like you can, you can pay me to do that. Like I think that the damage that will be done to young people will be significant and it will continue to happen. But in terms of negative effects, I think there's a tendency to assume that like technology is going to solve everything. Like it's going to solve all of our problems. Like the solution mm-hmm. to climate change is we're just going to like build a machine that's going to like, you know, whatever. Or Elon Musk is going to build a rocket and we're going to go to plan B, which is Mars. And I worry that technology is not always going to be the answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's damaging and dangerous to assume that we can remake virtual worlds if we destroy the real one. I think like I went to a climate meetup right that was um in alt space and what they were doing and it's very you know it's very interesting really admirable is that every month they're going to be taking a UNESCO world heritage site and they're rebuilding it in VR so that people can come along and they can interact with these world heritage sites and when you go there there's you know I went to an Australian one and there was films playing from indigenous people you could sit around a campfire and have discussions you could you know talk to a person and interact with you know didgeridoos and indigenous kind Mm. of things and it was all sort of like a celebration of Australian indigenous culture in the metaverse on the surface lovely lovely well done beautiful but underneath it I said I posed the question do you think that in the future we're only going to have virtual versions of these things because the real ones will have been destroyed or inhabitable or inaccessible no no in a way i I totally hear what you're saying you're basically saying are we this technology is accelerating so fast to the point where it's so exciting we're going to leave behind essentially the responsibility we have to the physical world and you know rather than fixing that before we sort of start building the, the digital and i you know i think you know, just play devil's advocate, I think there may be some people who say that maybe the quicker that we can get into the metaverse collectively as a majority, then the quicker we're going to stop consuming at the rate we are. Because this is one thing that fascinates me, right, is, you know, there's that dystopian version of the metaverse where we all become so addicted to it. I mean, look at how social media trends have been over the last 10 years, right? I mean, I'm so aware of my social media habits, even though, like, you know, and I look at myself, I have to check myself sometimes. I'm like, I think I've been on Instagram for an hour today. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's mad, that's mad. You know, and as someone who is, as you know, Tiff, you know, a diehard Matrix fan, you know, nothing excites me more than sort of like plugging in, you know, putting on my haptic suit, plugging in my like cerebral cortex and entering a sort of a digital space. And then just, you know, that kind of world just takes over and becomes better than the actual uh, reality that I, I, I live in. So I, t- you know, and I can feel myself getting addicted to it already, just even talking about it. Um, but is there something to say that we will actually, the metaverse could be a solution to a lot of the environmental issues uh, because we maybe will consume less. We will be able to, rather than like, let's say flying more, actually it's better to be in the metaverse and we're going to have a family gathering inside the metaverse rather than people getting in cars and driving and like using planes or whatever it may be. Do you, do you think that's like, you know, is that a good argument at this point? Or do you think actually, no, you just kind of, we, we need to sort of focus on the issues at hand? I think it can be part of the solution. I think that there are probably better, because the thing is as well, that like technology is not always going to be accessible to everyone. It's not always mm. going to be an accessible price point And people may, you know, there are other accessibility issues to, um, to consider. 
and I think that I think you're right I think it could be potentially part of the solution but if you look at something like sustainable travel then you know yes fly less but like is it better to build long-term sustainable travel infrastructure so that people can travel more sustainably long-term is that a better investment for the future than saying Mm. well just don't go don't interrupt because like there is no substitute for physical touch like we as creatures who've been on this planet for thousands of years have existed and sustained ourselves through practices and, and things that are innate and, w- and within us and just because we've had a sort of technological revolution very recently does not mean that like that's now the solution and the answer there are some things that like standing at a, in a virtual ocean is never going to feel to me <laughs> like being in a real ocean putting my yeah. feet on the grass is never going to feel the same you know psychedelic having a kind of cool like interactive psychedelic experience is never going to have the same impact as is physically taking psychedelics and going on a journey um so yeah i think it's part of it yeah okay i, I hear you you know I, I will say this is like you know who knows what technology is around the corner and i guess this is the kind of the point of this podcast is to say you know who's going to be the first private company to drop the fully interactive haptic suit where it's like oh my god like you know i feel i can feel the breeze on my skin because this suit is replicating that feeling um or like you know you kind of like I say, you go even closer, you know, we've got Neuralink, um, you know, it's around the corner, which is Elon Musk company. Um, we've got uh, nanomachine technology taking place. There is a huge amount happening, which is, like I say, are humans going to be strong enough to resist the addiction of what the, the metaverse brings when it gets bigger, better, more interactive? That I think is the bigger question here. And I think you make a really good point, which is that it, it's less about kind of like going, oh, you know, cyberbullying or whatever. It's actually going, no, the bigger issue here is, is like, we're just going to leave the, the physical world behind us because this is just too bloody good. <laughs> yeah, I, that's totally that. I mean, I don't know if you know the story of, um, I think it was in te- uh, 2010, there was a South Korean couple who essentially neglected their child to death because they were raising a virtual child in a virtual oh world. God. Oh my God. I mean, that so is, like, I mean, it's that, that is fully, that's black mirror. That's very, very dark, but you know, this, um, the parents as well were sort of doing, had jobs inside this metaverse world. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it was a MMORPG. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, I think they were doing things stuff to earn tokens and then selling tokens for cash. And that's how they were sustaining themselves. But they were, um, they were, they'd left their child at home and they were raising this like fake baby and their child died. I think that's going to happen to everyone, but I think it's like, it is the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. There's something, there's something that really kind of plays out in my head now, which is, you know, we've got a, a responsibility to educate people on how to interact with metaverses responsibly like the same way we should have done that for social media 10 years ago but no one really kind of is is sort of like you know taking their hands off the wheel a little bit i know in finland for example they are doing internet education classes now in primary school and secondary school where it's like healthy internet habits so i I hope that we're going to see more things like that take place because if social media is just you holding your phone what's it going to be like when you're in the metaverse and the the sensory kind of component of that is going to be like social media you know, 10x, right? I think the other thing as well is what probably, you know, closer to my interest is like the inclusion of Web3 when it comes to uh, the metaverse. Whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, you know, 
if metaverse, sorry, if meta, you know, Facebook's version of the metaverse is, for example, a centralized entity, then it's going to basically have the same hypercapitalization that Facebook brought to the market. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that, that kind of social responsibility is like, do they want to tell people not to spend more time in here or do they want to keep people in? Like, how long will it take for the next? metaverse companies to have social responsibility be on the forefront of their agenda like I say when people are it takes so long for people to catch up and for lawmakers to catch up and for the negative effects to kind of become commonplace for then people to go like oh we should you know we should really i think mm. spending 23 hours in the metaverse actually should be illegal what do we how, should we have a vote on that um you know how much kind of corporate interest will there be to to not let those conversations happen on the flip side of that though that's the beauty of web three in the sense that you know hopefully we're going to see versions of the metaverse whereby it's community owned community driven peer-to-peer it's the more i guess egalitarian utopian Mm -hmm. version of what the metaverse can be because it is a kind of like you know it's not for profit first and foremost so I, i think there is potentially that is coming around the corner. I think we are seeing the end of the Web2 uh, behemoth platforms like Facebook that obviously are trying to get a slice of this pie, but I think ultimately they'll they'll fall short because Web3 offers a way more um, humanistic version of, of the metaverse, if you like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think that's, a bit, like I said, I think we've all got to be very careful of it because like I say, I am someone who gets very overstimulated you know and i've been in vr and i totally get what you mean tiff it's like it 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 does kind of capture your attention um i guess kind of towards you know thinking about the kind of the 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 mainstream would you say the metaverse is mainstream yet is it something that's part of the zeitgeist maybe are we just in a closed loop circle we don't really can be that objective is it mainstream yet the metaverse I don't think it is. And I, I don't think it will be for a little while, but I think we're, I think we'll reach a critical mass and a tipping point, much like we did with, with social and, and also the idea of like creating content. You as an architect and a creator of content for the internet, you know, I still very, I, I, I remember so clearly making YouTube videos and being a complete outlier, even though I was connecting with thousands of people from around the world that were doing the same thing it was still seen as this slightly like sort of egotistical narcissistic slightly grubby you know didn't don't understand it don't get it and I think there are still people who say Instagram what's that just pictures of people's dinner but I think that's now in the minority but there was a minute there where it was kind of like it was still kind of seen as a bit and now everybody's using it you know using it as your maternity announcement or your you know whatever so I I think that we're we're not there we're not anywhere near there yet and I think that's because I think it just feels too ephemeral it's too hard to nail down and I think you need to be in it and experience it and find your tribe and interact with it in order for it to make sense to you do you think it's a hardware issue or a software issue like broadly speaking is it just a price point for the headsets is it more the the right apps haven't come along yet what is the tipping what is going to be the kind of the tipping point that's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, because I, I, I also don't think it's solely based on whether or not people, there's a VR headset in every home, because I do think there are versions of the metaverse that people are in and interacting with and, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but maybe not even categorizing it as that. Mm. Like, I, I'm not sure what needs to happen in order for it to, in, in order for it to meet that math. We, we need like, kind of like Jay-Z to go like, Hey guys, I'm living in the metaverse now, and then like, or Kanye <laughs> West, you know, and then everyone's like, "Oh, cool, great, um, yeah, that's it, that's it, I'm in there." See you later. Yeah, I would say that like maybe 
if we have another pandemic in in two years time then I think that'll be a huge catalyst for that yeah that's a good point actually you know I think it's so funny that point you made about Instagram everything comes with its own um reservations from people and understandably so right and it's the same way that now you know people are kind of like older generations are going like oh tiktok what like what's this tiktok thing businesses now are being educated and told if you do not get on tiktok you are a caveman you are going to get left behind right and i think it's going to be once again maybe it's just part of the capitalist agenda to be like go You've, if you're not like selling products inside the metaverse, you're gonna get, you're gonna lose quarterly profits as soon as possible. I almost think it needs that kind of commerciality to it. I don't, is that a word commerciality? I'm gonna go with it. Um, yeah, commerciality, like to get it like really pumping. I also think as well. I always one of my favorite YouTube videos to watch is uh, not that I watch it all the time, but the video, the keynote speak uh, speech from when uh, Steve Jobs announced the iPhone in 2007, and I urge people who are listening to to watch that video, you find it. I think it's like 50 minutes long, but you just basically see Steve Jobs come on stage and unveil the iPhone. And what you literally can hear is an audible gasp. You can feel that history is changing right then and there. This is something which just kind of came along, which no one had seen anything like this before. Like the fact that you had essentially like a a whole touchscreen in your pocket and it was connected to the internet and the things he was doing on it, you could just see that being kind of a very cultural moment in the kind of, the way that people could then say like this, this we're living in the future now. So I think we're going to potentially see something as well, whether that's going to happen in the next year, two years, five, I don't know that same hardware thing as well. Someone's going to bring out this thing, which is going to be like, Hey, if you put this like headset on and like this neck brace or whatever, and then like you connect these wrist straps up and it costs a hundred, you know, whatever, like 500 quid, you're going to have this, you know, and the next day, every blog and forum and YouTube video is going to be like, this is the greatest thing like ever invented. I'm like hooked. And I think that's once again, another huge tipping point for, for all of us to get closer mm-hmm. to the metaverse. Yeah. Are we seeing right now in terms of the, the metaverse cultural tropes that are coming from the metaverse and affecting the mainstream in, in, in any way? I'm not sure if we are. I'm not sure if we are just yet. Like, I don't think, it, I don't think we're, we're having the same effect on culture as say something like TikTok does, which now seems to be like, because of the intense democratization of being able to tell a story and and have it be seen by millions, like suddenly we're seeing, that's where mm-hmm. culture is, is coming from. It's being fed from that. I don't think so because I think there are restraints and restrictions inside the metaverse that are, uh, like you were saying about sort of um, like rights owners of, of watching stuff together like it feels both incredibly progressive and also like it's the it, it's a version of an internet that we've seen before you yes. know it's like it, it has That's the same now. pitfalls it has the same problems it's just in a mm-hmm. new and exciting medium so mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything sort of coming from the cultural zeitgeist but what I will say is like in terms of like sharing and empathy that's the thing that I am quite excited about and I think could be it could be one of the keys that kind of unlocks this more mainstream because you know if you think about something like the Syria and I'm using Ukraine and Russia because it's really really current and it's a hot you know topic of discussion but I think it's also the first time that we've had a lot of technological tools in place and like functioning and serving during a crisis like this and and so it, it feels quite new but I've got a friend who lives in Poland who I met in an English practice room 
which is like my room that I hang out in, which no English is practiced in that room, by the way. It's totally anarchic, but it's the same people. It's people, someone from Israel, someone from Turkey, someone from, you know, Poland, someone from Greece, someone, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and he and I were having a discussion and usually it's very anarchic and it's really fun and it's free flowing, but it was kind of a quiet day in the room that day. We were just kind of sat around and it was like this sort of virtual rooftop. And, and I said, oh, hang on, I haven't asked you like how the, um, how the conflict is affecting you. Like are you nearby where a lot of the refugees are coming from Ukraine? And he said, it's so scary. It's terrifying. He's like, you know, every night I like put on the headset and like come and meet you guys here and just like have some fun because I'm just, I'm finding it really heavy. And this was like his like escape. And, you know, and we kind of talked about it. And, and then I spoke to somebody else who employs people who live in Ukraine at the moment. And I said, really casually, you know, he's a really loud than life kind of guy. And I said, oh, how's your um, friend who lives in Ukraine? And he said, yeah, it's it's really bad. Like I spoke to him this morning. It's really bad. Like we kind of met up. He bought everybody in his company Oculuses so that they could all meet up together, you know, and have meetings. He said, you know, I'm really worried about him. And I think like, if this was happening pre-metaverse, these conversations would be unfolding on Twitter, right? There'd be a Twitter thread, as there, as there are plenty of now, which are just like, here's here's what you need to know about the conflict in Ukraine, and this is what I'm feeling. And here's me as a citizen journalist on the ground telling you my experience. The next evolution of this is now like, listen to my voice, see my mannerisms, like, and I think it's creating that like, it's re-empathizing. I don't know if that's even a word, but it's re-empathizing these interactions which have had their empathy stripped out of them through social. That is a really interesting point. The fact that once again, this is just going to heighten emotional, inter- uh, you know, emotional interactions even more so based on the kind of the 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 I guess physicality is the wrong word, but the kind of interactivity, the head turning, the body movement, everything that kind of gives it even more of a real feel. Um, mm-hmm. God, that's that's fascinating, Tiff. Um, well, look, Tiff, I'm going to um, finish off our conversation before I let you go. Um, I'd say as a tradition on the podcast, but seeing this is episode one, we've not actually done this yet. So you're the inaugural <laughs> co- contributor of the podcast. So you're going to basically, what I want to do is, is ask everyone who, who comes on the podcast to make their prediction for the future. The way this has worked, Tiff, is basically, I'm going to say, you know, can you make your prediction? And all I want you to say is by the year, and you can give me any year you like, and then insert one sentence. And this will be the record that will, you know, think of this as a audio time capsule that we can hopefully play back in 5, 10, 50 years time, who knows, and hear these kind of these predictions uh, play back to us. So uh, yes, do you have a prediction for the Fugitives podcast? I do have a prediction, but and I don't mean for this to sound deliberately woolly. And as I'm always kind of uh, always hedging, um, (laughs) always hedging for the future, um, I try not to make very direct predictions. But what I will say is, I think that the chasm and the gap between those that will um, try and reconnect with the physical space and those that are connecting with the virtual space will become deeper. I think that we've already seen an influx of people who are interested in cottage core. I think we'll see a huge divide in society between those that are retaking to the land and re, you know, uh, repopulating, resustaining, rewilding, refarming, you know, and then there'll be those that will exist in the metaverse. And I think that will be the great cultural divide. So I think by 2050, there will be a chasm between those two groups of people. Ooh, 
love it. I love like almost like kind of a uh, separate human species. Exactly. It's almost like there's a huge there's a huge divide. We have like the kind of the digital humans over here, and then we have the like the anti tech humans over here. Yeah. And when they meet, there is only war. Oh boy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's let's get let's get the screenplay going. I love that. So there we have it, Tiff. Thank you so much for joining me for the. Uh, inaugural episode of the Fugitive podcast i've really enjoyed learning about the metaverse um before i let you go tiff is there anywhere that people can find you what projects you're working on please feel free to tell the people where they can find you <laughs> absolutely well i very much enjoyed this episode and if you are interested in trends internet trends what's happening if uh trends on tiktok pass you by and you want to have a deep dive into what they actually mean i do a podcast that comes out every tuesday it's called trend lightly you can find it anywhere you get podcasts Apple, Spotify, all of the above. It's the number one entertainment podcast in Bulgaria. So shout out Bulgaria. There we go. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if you want to know what Kanye West and Grimes and Elon Musk and everyone else is up to, then uh, give Trend Lightly a follow. Love it. Tiff, thank you so much once again. And I will see you at some point in the future. So there we have it, folks. Thank you so much for checking out episode one of the podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to smash that follow button. And if you really wanted to, you could leave us a review. That would massively help us out. You can also follow us on socials, which is at Fugitives on Instagram and Twitter. We've also got a Telegram group, which you can join, which is at Fugitives as well. So that's all for now. Thank you once again. And I will catch you at some point in the future.